0: Hello, it's Hal. Welcome to our next live event and podcast recording for Hal's Donut House. I have sitting with me today one of the most energetic, fun-loving, inspiring people I've ever met on the planet, Melanie Brummer. Melanie, how are you? What's going on? Where do you, First off, where do you live? What time is it? Is it raining, snowing, hot, cold? What, give me where you at. What's
1: going on? So I live in what I feel is paradise. And it is um, a place in the Western Cape in South Africa. Um, And we are nestled just at the escarpment from the coast in what is known as the little Karoo. before you go over another mountain range and into the main Karoo. So it's semi-arid. Right now, it's 6 p.m. and it's over 30 degrees. My computer says it's 31 degrees Celsius at 6 p.m. in the evening. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to hang a a load of washing out at 5 o'clock and bring it in dry at
0: 6.30. Wow. To me, that would be about the only advantage to those temperatures.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It does get... Get pretty tired, but I, I absolutely love it here.
0: Um you're not exactly half, you're not clear across the planet from you're about 30% around the globe from me, I guess, something like that. Mm. Okay. Mm. I just like to know, you know, I, I'm not I haven't traveled much around the world. And Ricarda is watching. Rika, what's up? Hello, great to see you. Thank uh you. anybody that's watching the live, please say hello, comment, um, send wonderful love to Melanie. Uh, if you have a question, please put it in the, in the comment and we'll definitely do our best to address it. We've got a, this is a jam-packed session today. So anyway, um, Sani, hello, Sani, Sani SK. Yes. Okay. So before the internet, you were like three years old and um, you grew up in a in, in a neighborhood or a town or a village and I know I had some personal, I ask everybody the same foundational question because I think it really is, I don't know if the the wording is right, but formulative to how I walked into social media and what what I expected and what I hoped for when it came to community. And a lot of it was foundational in my childhood. So do you have any experiences growing up as a child in, in your neighborhood, your town that sort of like were the ingredients of community and obviously i didn't know it back then it didn't come to light till i got online you know a million years later but do you have any experiences like that like a sense of community or feeling a part of something bigger than your than your core family
1: so i think um i had an unusual childhood experience in that I grew up on a plot and we were quite far from town and my parents didn't drive us around. So I didn't really have a sense, an outward sense of community. My father managed to create an inward sense of community. And both of my parents, my mom and dad, um, in that they had an inclusive culture. To the degree that they, they just welcomed other people's kids into the house. So I grew up in a sea of uh, foster foster brothers and sisters, adopted um, friends who would come and go. Uh, our house was just this, this sea of people and my, my father always had place for everybody and food for everybody which now that I'm an adult, I understand how incredibly difficult mm-hmm. that must have been. And, and he just kept providing for this house full of kids. And I remember when I became an adult, it was actually um, quite a paradigm shift for me when I first moved into the wider world under my own steam and had to realize that all families were not made the way ours was. Mm-hmm
0: it's interesting that you're the first person that has that i've talked to and i've talked to a lot it's an honor and a privilege you're the first person that brought up the dynamic of inside the fam, a community inside the family setting yes and you had yes. it's almost like you had your people and you didn't have to leave your house you know you didn't have to Correct. go to the playground or to the to the to the to the community center or to you know whatever people did in the wider community in your town or city, you it came to you.
1: Yes, yes. So for okay. example, my own brothers weren't particularly interested in me. However, one of them brought in a foster who was with us for four years, who absolutely adored me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh he was he was sadly killed uh he was in the military service here back in the 1980s, and he was he was killed. He was a Parabat, so he was only with us for four years before we lost him. Uh, and it, it was still a very interesting place to grow up in because there were always these extras, these others uh, who were around. And, and they would come and go depending on circumstance. Uh, and, and many of them came with painful loss. So when I was little, my parents, fostered a sister for me because i was a late lamb i was very late after all of the others and um she was coming to see us for about a year and then they that we were going to go and adopt her and the very day we went to adopt her her mom changed her mind so we actually arrived at the orphanage ready to fetch her with all of that expectation and excitement and we're turned away at the door Mm. so um there was there was a lot of inclusion and there was also loss in the process uh and i think that both skills are needed to run a a community online
0: most definitely you know it, it having i mean i i'm trying when 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 you share about that about your childhood and having other children or other i don't know how else to put it you know temporary siblings coming and going and trying to i mean for me i i i think i might have gotten to a point where i don't know if i want to you know grow to love you because you might be gone tomorrow you know and and do i want to do i have the capability of giving that emotional investment to a somebody a child that's similar to my age to come into the house and knowing that the 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 pos- there's a real possibility that you might be gone. And now what do I do? Mm. That, had mm. to be very, that had to be very difficult.
1: On the, on the other hand, I have I have a brother who uh he came into the family as a baby. We adopted him officially when he was three and and he and I still chat almost daily on WhatsApp. He lives in the UK now. Uh and and so it's not all about loss. You know, some of them endure. And it's a, it's a good lesson in life to learn that that sometimes we need to really be mindful and grateful in the moment because those relationships that feel like they're going to go on forever, sometimes don't.
0: Uh, Umang is uh, was tagged by Sani to come watch. I think Umang is. And Rika said, rika has three sisters-in-law that were either adopted or foster kids so amazing yeah i I love that that's that's a a great thing to share uh okay so let's translate this to what was your first experience digitally digitally i said that right online uh (laughs) uh with community was it a, a facebook was it myspace was it chat rooms was it what was it, and and when you when you found it, what attracted you to it? Why 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 was it something that you seemed to be interested in back then?
1: So I actually came at it quite strategically. Uh, I had been a traveling craft teacher for six years. We had driven around the country and taught in different places. And now I wanted thread to thread
0: see- here. I'm starting to see a thread. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: Then I decided I wanted to move in and live with the guy of my dreams. We'd we'd lived past each other since 1997, and and now it was it was it was 2018, and and we wanted to make a go of it. And I very bravely said, "I'm going to reinvent myself online. I'm going to create a name for myself online, and I'm going to go and I'm going to use uh, Facebook intentionally, because at the time it had so many users." It's like I can back one horse, I'm gonna pick one. That's that'll be it. And then I started um creating my my community. And it is it's actually very interesting. So you know how a lot of people do mind mapping, where you where you cut out lots of pictures of of what you want to see for your future, put it onto a board and you stick it somewhere where you can see it. So I'd made one of these before I went to Pete, before I went to KZN to live with him. And I wanted to take it with me and make it mobile so it could go with me. And I had this idea, what if I took all of those concepts and mapped them onto Facebook into a group? And so I began creating Facebook groups where, where I could find like-minded people. So um, as I was developing the learning material, so what a lot of people don't know about me is that I have 40 online courses that were non-starters. I did not manage to successfully market them. So what happened, I was an early adopter and I had all these ideas in my head. I found the Thinkific platform and I just crammed stuff on there and then I hit the Facebook groups, but this was 2017. And no one had heard of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was very early and, and I got pushback. I got some really hard pushback. Uh, and also I was trying to sell into other people's groups, which because I didn't understand how the dynamics worked properly. I was just like, I didn't even know the difference between a group and a page until right. much later. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's amazing what we didn't know back then.
1: <laughs> Correct. Yes. So some of these structures are pages too. So so uh, I I I developed out. I essentially mind. I took my mind map and I turned it into communities on Facebook. And I said, I may not know exactly what products I'm selling to them, but I know who I want to sell them to. I'm going to start gathering them together. Uh, and along the way, some of it worked better and some of it worked amazingly well and some of it didn't work at all. Uh, and and largely, it's just been a huge experiment. Half, in between, I've given up on it, uh, gone back to it, rekindled my faith in it, mm. screamed and shouted and sworn at it. <laughs> I even walked out of my group once. I, I, I walked out, I said to my admin team, I quit. And they all said that's very nice uh have a nice rest we'll see you when you get back
0: (laughs) (laughs) the uh sandy asked a a phenomenal question we're going to go we're going to circle back to that question sandy um when we talk we'll talk about it now why not sandy wanted to know what do you think about the future of facebook communities generally speaking the value of community i mean we know that there's some very, very public statistics, for example, that say on average of the something like whatever it is, I don't know, 3 billion people on Facebook, on average, every mem- every person is a member of approximately five Facebook groups. And I know when I first, I think most of us had the same experience when we first got our profile, it was really cool. We connected with our cousin, our sister, our, our aunt, maybe our neighbor, and we started showing pictures of, you know the food we cooked last night, which I still do, um, and uh, our silly cat pictures. And then we, we were exposed to this new thing. I should do some research and find the dates out. This thing called groups. And over pretty rapidly for me, and, and to tell me your experience, I transitioned pretty rapidly from, wow, I've got a Facebook profile and some friends to, wow, look at all these communities that are, are of interest to me. My people started showing up organically that I was like, okay, I put a whole lot less value on my personal profile and started invest emotionally investing in communities that were of interest to me. Where do you think we are in the arc of history when it comes to communities? Are we in the middle? Are we still building? Are we coming near the end of it? What do you think? Give me that vision. So,
1: so if you believe all the talk about climate change, I believe communities are going to become even more important.
0: What's the connection?
1: Well, if you just look, Facebook has has a response. You can declare yourself safe after some kind of an emergency. That's going to happen more and more. People who are having emergencies in areas are more and more going to rely on WhatsApp groups, and Facebook groups to share information about what is happening, so they can survive. Uh, and I know that sounds a bit doomsday, but that's really where I think it's going. I don't think I don't think there's going to be less of a need for them. I think there's going to be a, more of a need for them as things get more real. When
0: when the, when the pandemic hit, and and I you now remember that we each have a unique personal journey through that part of. Of community. I was um I mean I'm 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 upper middle age, I guess you could call it. I'm 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 66. And um when I found out through because of the pandemic that I could I could do almost anything I want in my entire life without leaving my computer. Meetings, events, friendships, monetization, earning a living, you know, have food delivered, have my <laughs> pharmacy stuff delivered. I mean it, 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 and I got very comfortable pretty quickly. Yes. And then post pandemic, my wife was like, Come on, Hal, let's get out of the house. There's the world there's still a world out there. Let's go see what's there. And I was like, nah, I don't feel like it. And I could see. You know, and maybe I don't know if it's because of my age or I'm lazy or, or or whatever, but yeah, we we go out, we go out to dinner, we go see friends, we go, we'll go to a couple of family events here and there. Um, but I'm still 30% in pandemic mode. I don't want to leave the house. I just don't maybe it's because I'm a little older and I I left the house for my first 55 years of life and I never came home, you know, except when I had to. I don't I, I don't know where that that's going. But anyway, let me uh let me let's transition to uh what I consider your flagship community effort. And I'm going to for those of you that are um watching the live, I'm going to put a big comment up right now and hopefully it'll work. Let me see if I can. Give me a second to format it. Okay, for, while, while I'm formatting it, what is the upcycled cloth collective? How did it start? You know, I, I, you were you were starting to weave the fabric of it pretty good, huh? <laughs> a, a few minutes ago, when you talked about early community, but talk to me for a minute about what is upcycled cloth collective? How did it start, and why is it? Why are they your people? While I format this this post.
1: Yes, so the Upcycled Cloth Collective is essentially a community of textile upcycling enthusiasts. And we are encouraging textile upcycling one friendly project at a time. And um, the way it started uh, was actually quite interesting. Uh, my partner, Pete, his mom had passed away just before I moved in with him. Well, not just before, a few years. And when I got to his home, he had this pile of textiles that she'd left behind that he didn't know what to do with. And they were all over the place and stashed in cupboards, and there were piles of them everywhere and different, some of them very dirty. And he really had no idea what to do with it. So I took everything, I washed it, I folded it, and I looked at it. And I thought to myself, now, what's the most I could make of this fabric? And um, I had an idea to print the fabrics using my own handmade prints
0: Mm.
1: and then to go into the Facebook groups and to offer them to random makers around the world and to see who would uh, accept a package of fabric, make something out of it, and then put... The content onto the social networks. So I was attempting an early collaboration with hundreds of people literally around the world. So um, I spent um, I think about seven months printing fabric and sending it out randomly to people. And I tried to speak about what I was doing in various groups and and in many of them was shut down and banned and kicked out because it was outside of their community guidelines to speak mm-hmm. about things like that. So uh, I eventually realized that I'd do better if I started my own group. So I started a group to talk about my project and, and very early in, I realized no one was interested in my little project. They all wanted to talk about these.
0: <laughs> okay. But there's value there. Go ahead.
1: Correct. So I, it was either, it was a choice. I stood at a crossroads. It could remain small in mine, or I could open it up to everybody. I could share and, and then it could be everybody's and we would grow faster. And, and then we did, uh, and, and we grew virally and beautifully uh, in a wonderful way until we hit about 20,000 members when the wheels started falling off because I didn't have any systems in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also because most of my membership are in the US and Australia, which meant that most of my trouble would happen when I was sleeping in the middle of the night. Uh, so, I very quickly had to rally for help and invite in people I had never met, never seen, smelled, hugged, shook hands with, and had to hand over very important roles and trust to them. Um, the first two people who joined my admin team are still with me. Uh, Sharon Barton is still in active service and Lynn Bishop, who is is uh not well enough any longer for active service still hangs around in our admin team group as our honorary mascot and friend Uh, she holds the gentle culture for us behind the scenes Uh, so that was how we started
0: you um let me find the, the, the post again you have A website, a Facebook group, an Instagram channel, a magazine, and a LinkedIn profile—all about cloth. Yeah. First off, when 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 you talked about where you got your original collection of cloth from Pete's parent, um, does Pete does Pete see what you did with it? Did do, do, do you realize that you took something from her? And are carrying on whatever she was doing in, in, a, in a new way. And that's a that's a that's an amazing honor.
1: Totally, totally. I uh, also, so this is this is a little window into our personal life. There are times when I think I'm so infuriated with him, I want to leave. And then I and then I remember that, you know, if it wasn't for our relationship mm-hmm. and and that gift that he gave me. I wouldn't have any of the things I have now.
0: I I believe I don't I don't believe in coincidences. It's it's like it, it gives me the feeling of serendipity when you talk about it that way that you know that those those fabrics
1: were left there for only one person. You. Yes. And for a very important reason mm-hmm. and and the reasons are so totally aligned with what the old lady would have loved.
0: Which is uh, what? What? What did this? What did this? Where did this thread of a fabric bring you? What? Why do you do this? What's its purpose and mission? That's what's next about this.
1: Yeah. So, so fabric ties us together. It 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 links our past and our future why it's just fabric you will wear it for years and there are memories attached to all of your garments you can't deny it mm-hmm. they definitely link our, our our present with our past Does and the- our possible F- futures F-
0: Does does the fabric have to be old or can it be something new and you can do something with it and do something new with it where it wasn't necessarily intended to do that?
1: Absolutely. So our our only requirement in the group is that you didn't buy it brand new from the store. It must be in some way um, used secondhand. So I worked with new fabric the other day that I bought from a lady who bought it new, but she didn't use it for five years. So my purchase from her was not supporting a retail store that's making lots of money and mass producing fabric. So so our whole intention is to reduce purchasing of new things. And that's quite difficult. Lots of people who are kind of addicted to that little rush of purchasing new things. Uh, so what we do is we try to shift the behavior and say, well, why don't you buy from a thrift store or a charity shop? that's going to support a non-profit instead of a big, shiny retail store. That's, that's an awesome choice to make, to say my money's going to hospice or to uh, animals in distress, you know, rather than supporting some CEO of some company who's already making enough money.
0: How many followers do you have on um, Instagram?
1: instagram's very small so i really i really am a facebook
0: followers Three (laughs) thousand is not small
1: (laughs) i'm working on it i'm working on it (laughs) and you know there's one in there that we forgot and the whole way through the accelerator process i didn't even look at it until the other day in one of my groups one of my members mentioned something and then i realized you know what Almost all of the sewing ladies use Pinterest, and I haven't been uh, paying enough attention there because Pinterest is a great, huge search engine. So at the moment, Pinterest is my current obsession.
0: What's your What's your biggest platform for number of people that you that you reach?
1: Facebook, definitely.
0: Group or page.
1: Facebook. Sorry.
0: Group or page
1: group group everything's in groups I don't have much time for pages I noticed um, the people are work. really where the people are really where I am
0: uh did you go to them or did they come to you both, <laughs> you, have yeah, a, both. you have a you have a you uh, have a um I think it's in a group you have a pretty large uh admin team yes
1: it's like Yes.
0: 14 or 16 or something like that.
1: Why? So, so, well, because I keep inviting them in, and so that we have capacity. We have amazing capacity uh, to handle almost anything that comes at us. So, most of the year we cruise, and twice a year we work really hard together. Uh, And that'll either be where, where, Typically where an admin team member is leaving and causing as much destruction as they can on the way out. Uh, or when we've got a growth spurt. Those are really the only two events that will shake that will shake the team. I've and I've 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 attracted the most wonderful harm reduction specialists. They really, really are very, very good at harm reduction. They they're wonderful at harm reduction. I I I can't ask for a better team they they so care about how things are done I find that that in the early stages I used to make a lot of the decisions but more and more of the decision making is being shifted over to them I give them more voice and and they're making the decisions on their own I I provide structures for decision making but they're 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 doing the decision making about how we need to run the group, what we need to do with it, you know, what inclusion looks like? How do we protect ourselves? Uh, The only place they still need me is for self care. So a lot of them will will give more than they need to of themselves to members who really are like taking taking things too far sometimes you have members who have very high expectations Mm -hmm. that are impossible to serve uh so my my role for them still is to say okay listen you don't have to take this just like get rid of it uh i find that um moderators take a long time to get comfortable with that block button
0: do you have an onboarding process for your team do you we don't need to go. We we could have a whole podcast about onboarding team members. We could we could you and I could because of our experience, we could talk for hours just about that subject alone. But with a oh, first off, let's 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 position this conversation part of the conversation with how many members are in that group?
1: In the in the in the admin team group?
0: No, the Facebook group.
1: Okay, so the Facebook group has one hundred and forty three thousand members in it. One hundred
0: and forty three thousand members.
1: It also has 150 affiliated groups, so that's smaller regional and city groups and other topics like denim that our our members look at. We have an admin team group that has 12 active team members in about six who come in and do specialist things. So, for example, we've got a lady who specializes in copy and speech therapy. So when we want to uh, audit copy that's going to go into our guidelines, I'll just tag her and say, does she want to check it before we publish it? So that's her only role. She just waits for a tag from me, says she agrees or makes some changes, and that's all she does. So we've got a few who do that kind of thing. And then we've also got about, at this stage, 65 Um observers what do they do so they so the observers are typically other community managers um, different different um, stages of community management either early stage or later stage people have asked me questions about how I run my community it's much easier to bring them into my team and let them see how I do it because I don't run documents. I don't run rosters. I don't run schedules. We 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 have a. It's been called a free range method of doing things.
0: That sounds Uh, dangerous. That sounds dangerous. (laughs) It does. It sounds like oh no, don't let them go.
1: (laughs) I know. I know. And new team members come in and go like, how can it be so loose here? You know, but I say, come and do what you can when you can. Do it in a good mood. Uh, and really, that's all I ask. Find a role you like.
0: My 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 my, my co-worker partner, Shelly Carter-Flores, says she's loving the event. Hello, Shelly. Tina Hilk is watching. Tina wants to know. Tina's question was, how, how are both of you all so calm? Okay, well, I'm old and Melanie is cold and it's late in her day That'll explain it and hopefully that that makes it more understandable <laughs> okay um she also Tina also asked when was the last time you bought something new instead of upcycling something
1: Oh uh I bought a lot of new stuff during the Facebook Community accelerator program
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good reason. <laughs>
1: But it it wasn't (laughs) so much clothing, Tina. It was this beautiful computer you see me using here and an inverter, which you may have heard kicking in when our electricity went off here in Africa earlier in the interview.
0: Um,
1: So it was the infrastructure that is keeping me going and keeping the community going now. Uh, And in terms of clothing, um, I'm very lucky. I'm gifted clothing. So... This was gifted to you. And I still buy underwear new, Tina. Tina, I still buy underwear new because I'm not brave enough to make mine yet. It's it's my fight. When I'm making my own knickers, then, then you know I'm becoming a very experienced upcycler.
0: <laughs> he, Tina said that um, it's colder where she is, so that doesn't – it's not good enough. Yeah, I mean – you know, Tina and I are dear, dear friends. And um, I should have known better than to use – the temperature of where we live as an excuse answering a question from somebody that is like lives in like twelve thousand degrees below zero, you know, seven months a year in Finland. Um,
1: he lives in Narnia.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, what What was the accelerator? What did it do for you? How did it help you in your in your community management journey?
1: Um we might need a lot of time for this. Hell, I've lost you. Are you still there? I'm here. Okay, so um it changed everything. It changed everything in radical ways. Uh um as I've mentioned, the funding was incredible because I was I was running on very old equipment. So it's just stabilized all of that for me. Um, it's, it's given me a new focus with the group. Um, it's, it's helped me to rebrand, to build the website, uh, the online course, the magazine, all of that stuff. It's given me credibility that I didn't have before. And I'm seeing some of the knock on effects. Um, in my networks, it's almost as though the fact that I've succeeded is giving others permission to succeed. Because in an earlier iteration of of my textile journey, I was the tie dye lady. And I was always told that tie dye is only for hippies, and you can never have a serious business. uh, And all of these things. So, here in South Africa, where that kind of thing can be a stigma, uh, for for people in my networks to be able to go, look, here is Mel going from zero to hero and actually being seen by a company like Meta. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It was huge. It was huge. It's been life-altering for me on every level.
0: So just to, to put it in very general terms, for those of you that are listening or watching, we talk about the Accelerator program. It was a managed program that Facebook created where where community leaders could apply. And it was a it's a long, months-long process where you went from stage to stage to stage to prove what you wanted to do online in the community, what the value it was, what you needed to be successful. And you went through this multi-stage process, and you were funded. Money, yes, we, we we like to call them Zuck Bucks. You got Zuck Bucks for doing what you did, and it helped you in really? that mission of your community. I did, yeah, did I he did. hand deliver that money to you, or, or no? <sighs>
1: no? I wish because I wanted to shake his hand <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. at this point in time. I would shake his hand, but if he seemed personable, I probably it would probably be the only time I would ever meet him, so I'd probably grab a hug before security removed me. Just to get Zuck, yes. you know.
1: but <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I would, I would do exactly the same. And just to say to him, thank you for seeing me, thank you for acknowledging me, and and thank you for giving me a shot. You know, I've, I've also so what a lot of people don't realize is, um, I over my thirty year career, I became self employed at the age of twenty three, so I've been self employed for twenty eight years. During that time I put in a lot of applications for grants for competitions for things that I was not picked for I put one I put some in every single year for 28 years before I got picked So this for me was huge it was the first time I ever had money invested in my business by an outsider I've always you
0: Find new ways of funding at this point going forward.
1: Well, I have a, a magazine. I have an online course. There are subscriptions, mm-hmm. and and the subscriptions are starting to pick up. It's it's a slow process, and and it's picking up.
0: And the 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 comment I put up a few minutes ago. If you scroll up, you will see links to all of that, so you can subscribe. Um, you can get involved with the group page you can join and all that other happy stuff thank you Hal my honor and pleasure um why LinkedIn isn't that a place where you go get jobs and and look for jobs
1: (laughs) so if you look at that LinkedIn account I've had it for a long time and uh when I was when I was still working um in manufacturing in the textile industry i i fleshed my linkedin account out with with textile related people um and then for a for a while after i i got certified i thought i'd i'd sell myself as a community manager but i i've realized through the accelerator process that really my community is where my love is i don't i don't w- work well for others <laughs> What um if I
0: if I was to join your group, what would it feel like? What's the tone? We you talked you talked about certification. We, you know, you and I are been been down that same journey. And um, what's the tone? What does it feel like in your community? If I walk into that group, it's a physical place. What's it going to be like? How am I going to be felt? How's it going to feel?
1: Friendly, and uh, welcoming. And helpful, mostly helpful. So, so in our group, um, the, you won't—you'll very seldom in our group see people going, "Just Google it." You know, our members come in and give an actual answer based on their lived experience.
0: That's actually one of the most important lessons of that. I, one of the billions of lessons I got from certification, was. One of the best things you can tell a client, or a coworker, or a member, or a co-admin. I don't know the answer to that, but let me find it for you. I, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll get back to you. Let me find an answer for you. I'm sorry, I don't I don't provide that particular. I don't have that particular level of experience, but let me go out and get somebody that I trust. I can offer to you. You don't leave them hanging. You just don't leave them hanging. It's we're community people. Are, most community people, I think, all community managers that that take a responsibility for their communities personal responsibility for their communities are solutions based we need yes. to find even if we don't know what the answer is we'll go get it for you or we'll send you yes. someplace where you can get the answer tina said what's yes. the difference between yes. your social media channels or do they have the same content you just copy paste 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 paste, paste. why a group why a page why instagram talk to me about the difference so, and the website. Oh, let's not forget the website.
1: <laughs> so, the website houses the products and the payment gateways. The group is where we rustle up sales. I almost don't use the page at all. Um And then what I'm starting to do is some of the content around the magazine and the online course, I'm starting to push into Instagram and uh, Pinterest and some of the old content that's on Instagram is only on there because somewhere along the line many years ago i pressed a button where it said if you post to facebook will it share to instagram at the same time (laughs) and that's still in effect
0: (laughs) because you know i mean we talked back going flashing back to certification again we talked about the value the value add for the different platforms that they focus on you know a page is sort of like a for the most part of one way it's like it's an it's an advertisement a commercial. It's the billboard on the side of the interstate where the group is bringing people together and curating member to member conversations that are focused on that particular mission. And then we talk about, we talk about Instagram where that's, that's really visually based. It's growing now. There's communities and things going in, but for the most part, if we have, if, if what our if our mission contains a lot of visual stuff, pictures, images, whatever, instagram is a great value add to our our platform use and then the website Mm. is the official portal gateway and being able to thread all those together um is 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 the challenge um tina had a really great idea she said around here that's in finland uh they have upcycling classes in schools for kids between 11 and 16 years old, et cetera, maybe that would be a new way to gain new younger members and some cash flow.
1: Mm-hmm. So we we recently did a poll in the group that we found quite interesting. Uh, and, and in many schools in different places around the world, they've in recent years completely dropped things like sewing. So uh, there's certainly work to be done around that. And so one of the things that we are working on behind the scenes, um, and I haven't said too much about it because we're still in the early stages with it, but we are working with a university. insider in the information? UK. <laughs> oh,
0: nobody listen. Mute your speakers mute mute because we're going to talk about some top secret stuff here that you're not supposed to know about. Go on. Let, give us all the Give us all the interesting stuff.
1: <laughs> so, so we are looking at working with a university in the UK next year, uh, where they will be sending us um, possibly one or two of their PhD, their master's students, to uh, intern with us and do some research with us. So we at the moment are talking about, you know, what would be most strategic to focus on. So some of the topics we're talking about are possibly following a bale of clothing, of secondhand clothing from Europe all the way to Africa to then see what happens to it when it gets there and and track what happens to all these clothes. Um, one of the other conversations we were having is the one around schools. So could we create a global map of of uh, where schools are teaching upcycling, where they aren't teaching upcycling, and how do we change that? Uh, so we, we're we having some pretty heavy conversations behind the scenes in the admin team group. And, and it's about understanding, you know, what's our role? Is it our role to, to talk about slave labor practices and and consumer behavior? you know or or is that the role of a, an organization like fashion revolution for example so um we're we're busy we're busy trying to understand what our role is globally and and what we really need to and what the opportunity is for us to be the change that we want to see you know there's a there's a huge gap that we can we can we can move into and we just need to to map it and understand what it looks like
0: you know what happens so, to no. I mean, when you plant a seed and you nurture it, what happens to it? It grows.
1: Oh, I kill some seeds too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I see this. I see this upcycled concept, and seeing it for some reason, I have this this really strong feeling that young people would really love this whole idea.
1: They are. They are. So all of the all of the textile app cyclers are on Instagram, the young ones. That's why we're missing them. And that's also why now I'm building out Instagram. So during Accelerator for the community initiative plan, we focused on the existing community where most of our members are 50 years and older. Uh, and now that I'm out of that kind of accelerated out of that pressure cooker situation and i can now move more slowly um i'm able to now go and say okay instagram how can that benefit us with the long-term planning and uh start to 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 sow those seeds
0: mama tina is telling us no tiktok have you done, <laughs> have you done with
1: the
0: tiktok yet I do and what have about a what about? Count, I try not
1: to go in there as well. Like really, what? How many?
0: All of <laughs> You have to be involved in all of the things. You know, putting, 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 um, putting a bunch of videos on your page.
1: Nah, it's, it's not enough anymore, is this? <laughs> it's like,
0: that doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, if you want to okay, get, let's flash, let's let's fast rewind you back to when you found your people, you know, years ago. Put yourself in that mindset today as one of those young people looking for their people. If they're looking on TikTok, that might sound like there's a whole bunch of value there and say, hey, here we are. Here's a bunch of our TikTok content. If you're more interested come on over here and you know mm. that that young person that's on tiktok today is you years ago yes interesting concept. Yes. it's like there's like a a connection there yes
1: where you're I now, hear where you. Most
0: people are looking for you
1: tina thank you and and yes thank you i'll try it <laughs>
0: You know what? If, if Tina gives you too much pressure, say, "Hey, you, you want to become an admin and do that for me?"
1: <laughs> oh no, Tina never gives me too much pressure.
0: Yeah, uh, Tina. Tina's just like Absolutely. no. But, um, okay, yeah, she
1: just makes she
0: just makes sure I'm awake. We are getting a little bit tight on time. Um, TikTok is two weeks before inter- Instagram. Hello. Okay, so um, if you could go back in time before all of this happened and and with the same experience and knowledge you have now what, what couple of pieces of advice would you give yourself that you think would better position you to be even more successful than you are already? Lessons learned that you didn't know back then but you wish you did.
1: Don't be so hard on yourself. And don't be so hard on yourself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I could use a little bit of that myself. Um, (laughs) You mentioned something that was really meaningful a little while ago, talking about you tried so many times and failed. What kept you going?
1: I gave up a lot. I did give up. Um, So 2018, I went into hiding. I'd had... Such negative pushback in the group that I actually went into hiding. I, I, I couldn't even go in and do anything. And I, I was depressed and and not in a good place. Uh so it's not that I didn't give up. It's that I kept coming back.
0: <laughs> that's that's an interesting perspective. I, I think about any you know any less successful endeavors that I had over this over the centuries. Yeah, I don't yeah, I think I think at the at the at the moment in time when I did it, I thought that I was giving up. But maybe I was just really without knowing it, giving myself some space to do some self care and you know, reset. Mm. Maybe subconsciously mm. knowing that I was going to pick back up on it at some time in the near future because it was still that dream, that goal, that mission.
1: Mm. Does that make sense? Well, he- the other thing that I think about is I remember when I was when I was mass producing and making lots of, of fabric, I used to dye and print fabric. When I was making an intensely beautiful piece, there would always be a, somewhere along the relationship where I would fall out of love with, with what I'd made, where I'd completely hate it. I'd go, oh, I don't like it, put it aside. The most beautiful things I've made, I have that moment with it. And I think it's part of the creative process is that you you kind of dive so so deep into it and then you have to pull back and step back and remember who you are and then look at it from the outside before you can see what you've made.
0: You've got a lot on your plate, a lot. I don't know that I've, you're, you're, you're in a top couple of people that I've, that I've podcasted with that has your hands, not in so many different things, but this thing, so many ways, which is highly impressive. And I, I don't want to be vulgar here, but to a degree it scares the crap out of me to have that much responsibility and still care <laughs> for myself. How do you, how do you balance all that stuff? And, uh, do you still see Pete now and then, or, or, or Pete has, has Pete, <laughs> Pete given you up to the internet? What's this, what's, how do you deal with that?
1: <laughs> so um, I have mindful self-care practices. Like? Like I live in paradise and I take walks in nature. I can step out of my front door and walk straight into nature. There's a, a nature reserve 200 meters from my front door. There's a fence to a nature reserve, so I can walk in nature at any time and do you so. I can reconnect in... with nature.
0: You bring your phone with you?
1: No, oh no. So that's the <laughs> other thing I do. I practice. I practice hygiene, so my well, devices. i can see you in I the opt... middle of the
0: nature preserve, like this.
1: No, no. Okay, I opt into my technology when i have capacity on a daily basis so i actually switch everything off and will um, almost like put it in a box physically or cover it up with something and walk away from it and in the morning before i switch on i do an assessment am i ready for it And if I'm not fit for human consumption, I may not go in. Sometimes I find myself going into my team and then I find I'm very reactive when I'm working with my team. And then I pull back. I don't go into the team group for three or four days. They don't see me. Uh, And they know that when I've reset myself, I will come back. Uh, I don't have any notifications on my phone, so no beeping. All the sounds are turned off. So I'm very sound sensitive. I don't. I don't respond to notifications. WhatsApp. I go in three or four times a day, and I scroll through. I see what's there that I want to respond to. Uh, so, all of my interactions with my tech are are, are mindful. Opt in in the moment, and there comes a moment when I opt out. So, when I'm having dinner with Pete, when I'm having a conversation with him, or something like that, I never ever will answer a call or anything like that. If I've made a meeting with you, I will never ever look at my phone uh, or anything like that. So when I've got real time meetings with real time people, there's no other distraction. I don't take it to meals. I don't take it to meetings. I don't, so I'm, I'm very intentional about how I use it.
0: We are at time, I have one more. Usually I get into some fun, silly kind of questions, but I'm gonna give you a question I think is really important. You're suddenly in, sitting in front of a class of young people in a school that has a lot of interest in, in upcycling and their parents are there also, that are also interested in it. Give me, give me a two minute explanation as to why it's so important and valuable to, to be interested in this. You're talking to the children. Their whole future is ahead of them. Why should they even? <laughs> and they've all been required to leave their phones in a basket on a teacher's desk. So they want to get their phones back. They got to listen to you. What are you going to tell these people?
1: I, I would show them how to make something. The, the quickest way to engage them is to show them how to make something easy. The quick win that they can show someone else and someone else can go, wow, you did that? They'll
0: do it again. I love that. Melanie Brummer, you are a, a, a planet-level woman of power and influence and energy and drive. And we've had we've had the opportunity to be on a bunch of lives together. This has been the icing on the cake, this the frosting on the donut. I want to thank you very, very much for this time that we spent together, and um, please, I'm giving you, I'm giving you, as I I, I mentioned it to Kemi, uh, I, I I told Kemi one day, I said, at work, I said, uh, I said something to the effect of hugs and I love you, right, and Kemi said, you know, I don't know that HR would be so happy about that, right, so, so I said, <laughs> because she's like my manager's manager right i'm talking to like my boss's boss and telling her i love her right and i said okay how about we change it to from now on i use a term i'm sending you hr compliant non-creepy hugs so that's my term for everybody (laughs) now i'm sending melanie uh, the most heartfelt hr compliant non-creepy hugs to you thank you very much for this time it's been an honor and a pleasure please subscribe to the podcast Uh, please comment and share it for us and uh, let us know what you thought. Melanie, thank you very much again. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, Thank you, Helen. It was such a pleasure spending time with you. Thank you.